Welcome back to another episode of Providence Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Natalie, your host, and today we have Chris back with us again to talk about his latest BT article titled, Are You Getting Value from Your Wealth Advisor? Welcome, Chris. Uh, thank you for having me. Okay, so before we begin, uh, I'm really interested to find out more about this breathing exercise two-day program that you mentioned in your article because you said you spent $1,002. Yes. $200. And so not just for myself, for my wife and for my son. So it's 3006 Oh, wow. So all of you attended to yes. this together. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and I, mean, I mean, I don't know what, what are the benefits of, of this mm. breathing exercise program, but I recently saw... Uh, a promotional airfare uh, on SIA to uh, to LA that cost about only a thousand one, right? So I mean, to me, I obviously would rather spend this thousand two hundred dollars to buy this airfare instead. So what exactly is this? Uh, what what made you wanna you know attend this thousand two hundred dollars program? Yeah. So I mean, we had this sort of like pre-interview chat, right? Before we actually recorded officially recorded this, we have this chat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I spent a thousand two per person. Three of us went. Uh, if not for the fact that my daughter is in Melbourne, I would have, you know, put her along to join us, and that would be like close to five thousand, really four thousand eight for a family of four. Mm. Um, well, it's it's a, a two day program uh, that teaches us how to breathe, and I know that sounds ridiculous. It's like you need to be taught how to breathe. Mm. Um, but it's based on the Chinese martial art. Nothing spiritual. It's uh, just teaching you technique on how to how to breathe uh, properly. Mm. And uh, yeah, of course, and some of you are listening to this will be thinking like crazy. You know, you pay a thousand two hundred dollars to learn how to breathe. Yeah. But I guess uh, there are a few reasons why I went. Uh, firstly, it was uh, recommended by a client, and uh, this client's a long time client of uh, Provident. Uh, it is somebody that. Uh, whatever he says is credible. Mm. Uh, he has gone through it himself and he actually really experienced benefit. And I know that um, when he introduces to me, uh, he, there is no vested interest. It was just out of a good heart that he took me out for lunch and then he said, I need to tell you this and then it's up to you whether you want to go. Right? So that's one thing. Right? That is very, there was a very strong referral. This person who referred me, introduced me to the course, credible, mm. Uh, of course, a thousand two per person is not cheap, but well, it's still affordable. But m- most importantly, um, there was a need, right? Because uh, my wife's and my son's health, they are not actually, you know, at. A, uh, I mean, there are there are issues with their health. Let's put it this way, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and health is most important, right? So yeah. I would pay a few thousand dollars if there are real benefits. Of course, as I was explaining to you. I don't. I haven't really experienced value yet. Mm. The thing that motivated me to go was because I had a need, and I can afford it, mm. right? And relative to health, a thousand two per person is very small, relatively speaking. Mm. Right? But the truth is that after that two days program, actually I do experience benefit just after two days. You know, uh, I'll give you an example, right? So on the second day of the program, uh, after lunch, I had this splitting headache. It was so bad. And mm. uh, it's not the first time I have this kind of headache. Um, and in the past, I would either have to take Panadol or it would take a while. I need to take a nap, you know, and all that. And even after the nap, I get up, there will still be a bit of pain near my eye area. Mm. So I didn't think too much about it. Uh, and I did, the, uh, I did two sets of exercises. And right after that, uh, quite miraculously, the pain was gone. 
you know, and I didn't even tell anyone. I didn't even dare to go there, okay, because I'm generally the skeptical kind. So I didn't like go and tell anyone. But after I went home, I told my family uh, this experience. I said, I'm not sure whether it's due to the exercise, but uh, it's the first time experiencing this. After the two uh, sets of exercise that I did, I just felt better. Mm-hmm. So I've, I, I experienced value. Mm-hmm. And now if I look back for the thousand two that I paid, is there value? Yes, but the sequence of event is there was a need. I went for it and then I experienced value. Mm. And after I experienced value, now I'm a convert. Mm. Yeah. Will you go back again? Is there a need to go back again? No need. So that's the good thing about the program. Mm. Um, they don't try and get you back and upsell you, you know, and all that. So basically they teach you this set of exercise and all you need to do is to do them regularly and every day you just need uh. to take about 10 minutes, 15 minutes to do and it's just a regular exercise. It's actually nothing... It's nothing spiritual, you know, third age or whatever. You just you just do uh, maybe, I mean, we were taught eight sets. La. So you just choose any three sets, take about 10 minutes, 15 minutes each day just to do those uh, exercises. Maybe we can check with you again, like next month or in two months. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Whether, <laughs> whether it's placebo. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and see whether I look better. La. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we will do that. Uh, okay, but anyway, so back to the, the gist of this article, right? I mean, you wrote this article over the weekend while you are attending this two-day program. So I imagine it might have been uh, it might have been a struggle, especially I find this article really is about you trying to tangibilize the intangible values yeah. uh, that we are bringing. So it's not easy mm. at all because intangibles are very hard to pen down, especially in words, I feel. Um, so I'll start off with this debate that you mentioned, right, mm. that started in office, or rather started at work. Mm. Uh, I remember this debate quite vividly as well. Uh, it happened back in 2018 mm. uh, because it is closely linked to our unique fee-only model. Mm. And then uh, that period was also when the time, you know, the rise of robo-advisors mm. offering lower-cost invest investment solutions. Mm. So we started wondering if consumers, including our clients, would they be able to see the value we are bringing to the table for the fees we are charging? Mm. So it's natural that people tend to gravitate towards lower-cost financial services because Mm. everyone knows that costs can eat into returns. But at a lower cost, can robots really deliver the same value as a human advisor? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the rise of robots has sort of like caused us to think whether... You know, whatever we charge our clients or whatever the fees that the client pay us, uh, do they experience value? Right? Because if they don't experience value, then why use us? Right? Just go to these digital advisors faster, cheaper, you know, and over a click of a few buttons, you are onboarded and then you can buy the stuff. You know, back in office, we've been asking ourselves, yeah, yeah, so, you know, what is this value? Uh, I do not think that uh, digital advisors, technology will be able to replace human. I don't think so. Mm. Even with the rise of artificial intelligence, I don't think so. Because I believe God created human beings, not technology. La. And it's human that creates uh, technology. Um, there are things that we human can do that technology cannot replace us. Right, and I explain those things. I mean, those things are written uh, in the article. Mm. The ability to hold deep conversation. Actually, that is the most important part of uh, wealth planning. 
beyond the number crunching, beyond the recommendation of products, you know, and uh, all that. The most important thing really is the ability to hold a very deep conversation. And I believe that deep conversations, they are only really possible human to human, not human with technology, right? So I don't believe that um, the robots can replace human advisors unless you as a human advisor, you are just doing what the robots are doing. It's very transactional. Right, very computational. All you do is sit down, ask some numbers, uh, and then you number crunch and find out what a person needs. And then you compare some products and then you recommend to clients. If that's the job of the advisor, we are gone. Mm. Yeah, technology will replace us. Maybe we need to dissect a little bit about what you mean by deep conversations. I mean, any, anyone can actually say that they do deep conversations, right? So even Robo, say for example, they were to do this even a uh, more thorough fact-finding process. It's just a set of questionnaires that they send to you online and then they ask you all the so-called deep stuff, right? Uh, is that then considered deep conversation? So to you, what what uh, what is considered a deep and quality conversation we should have with our clients to understand them better? I think when it comes to deep conversation, uh, it is both a skill as well as a posture, right? Uh, what do I mean? I think when we see our clients, the posture must be one whereby I really hope that I can solve your problem. That must be the posture. And not one that says, I just want to close a sale. Now, I know um, if you're an advisor, you'll probably say, no, no, yeah, but I really want to help our clients. Well, good for you if you want to do that. Okay, but the client will be able to tell whether you are just there to close a sale or you really want to help the client. That's one. Mm. Secondly, it has got to do with a skill. To have a deep conversation with someone, there are, I would say, at least four skill sets that you must have. The ability to ask very good, very thought-provoking questions. That's very important. It's a skill set. Secondly, the ability to listen mm. and the ability to listen contextually, not just active listening, but contextual listening. Yep. Meaning to say that you don't just listen to the words, you listen beyond the words, you listen to the tone of voice of your clients, you listen to the body language and combine with powerful questions asking clients why they feel in a certain way. If you observe a certain body language, the ability to ask a question and say, I noticed that when I ask you this question, you fidget a bit or you're a bit emotional. Would you like to tell me a bit more? Mm. That's a skill. So questioning, listening, the ability to acknowledge. Mm. That is a big skill. Acknowledging doesn't mean agreeing. Acknowledging means that, well, I acknowledge. Simply, I, I see that you are having pain in this or I see this is something very important, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I acknowledge, right? That's important. Acknowledging comes from words. Acknowledging comes from uh, posture. Mm. And last but not least, after you listen, you question, you acknowledge, mm. the ability to message. Because at some point in time, I mean, ultimately, we are a client advisor, there is a need to message what you think is correct for the client, yeah. right? So these are all skill set, and and you, 
it's not easy, right? It's not, it's not easy. I mean, on a day-to-day, on a, I wouldn't say day-to-day, right? On a week-to-week basis, we are training our client advisors to do that properly, right? To hold this conversation with clients deeply. And why do we do that? Because we are trying to really understand what matters most to clients. And in the article I said, it's about really understanding clients what to them is a good life, mm. right? And a good life is defined by living at the place that you belong with the people you love, doing the right work on purpose. Um, it's a working definition, yeah. but the ability to have very deep conversation to help clients crystallize what a good life means to them. And sometimes it requires us to ask very difficult questions. And as human beings it's actually very hard to ask ourselves difficult questions, very difficult. Mm-hmm. right? So that's what I mean by deep conversation. Uh, so it's not a normal fact-finding mm-hmm. that in our industry we do. So that's why I say I did say that sometimes people can say, yeah, I also do that, but it's not so much the form, it is the substance. Uh. Right. So after hearing from you know all these things that you mentioned that we do over here, or at least we train our advisors to try and do this entire advisory process to help our clients, um, asking them the right questions and all, takes a very long time, yep. right? As compared to, I think, from what I understand, other FAs out there, they can close a deal in like maybe 20 minutes or even just two hours. Uh, we probably take like two weeks, you know, or even up to two months. Mm. So, uh, and that's just the advisory process, right? Yeah. We still... We haven't even considered the time taken behind the scenes for an advisor to be trained and to be capable to hold these deep conversations and, so, and also to coach clients when they cannot connect their head with their heart. Correct? Mm. So if we spend so much time at Provident mm. delivering all these, right, or training our advisors on all these uh, coaching skills and to deliver this value, mm. uh, does it make financial sense then for the firm in the long run? You know, we are spending more mm. time and then uh, we are closing lesser deals in that sense. Mm. While people out there, you know, they hire advisors uh, 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 in big numbers and then they roll out processes to actually close a deal fast. All this in pursuit of faster revenue, which are mm. Im- important for businesses, yeah. right? And we are ultimately running a business. Yeah. So then does, does this make sense for us uh, in the long run to have yeah. such a long advisory process. Yeah, It's interesting you ask whether it makes commercial sense in the long run. Mm. Right? In the long run, it makes a lot of sense. In the short run, it doesn't make sense. Okay. Right? Because in the short run, it's faster uh, to make revenue when it's transactional. Mm. Right? If I can turn around, sell very quickly, sell a product, earn a commission very quickly, mm. that makes more sense. And mm. the more I see, the faster, the shorter the time I take to close, it makes more sense in the short run. But okay. in the long run, I believe that as long as we take care of clients and clients feel that value or experience that value, mm. um, it will make sense for you. Uh, client will do more business with you mm. and clients will tell other people about you because they know that uh, you are different. I mean, I've been in this industry for quite a long time. Mm. right? And I do notice a change from the time I came into this industry in the 90s to where it is today. I mean, today, we want things to do to, to be done faster and faster and faster. Yep. Right? I wrote an article about that. 
before some time back, I think uh, a few years uh, ago. Uh, we are what we call in a fast food nation where things we like it to be instant. Right? When things get spoiled, we don't even bother to repair it. You know, we just go to back to the service center and they give you a new phone, for example. Right? So we want we want things to be fast. But it is my opinion that generally speaking, mm. if you want things to be good, mm. it takes time to deliver something that is good. Mm. If you want a good meal, it takes time to cook a good meal. If you want a good bowl of soup, it takes time to brew, to boil a good bowl of soup. And the same comes to advice, mm. right? If clients wants to receive good advice, it cannot be fast, right? It takes time to train a good advisor. It takes time for the advisor to be experienced. Can't mm. short circuit that whole process, mm. right? And it takes time to really understand the client. It takes time for the client to act on those decisions. I mean, we are not in a hurry when we make a recommendation and we want the client to, in, to straight away in front of us sign a deal and all that. We say, no, go back and think about it. Mm. Right? It takes time to make that decision. So, yes, it doesn't make sense in the short term. Mm. But I think in the long term, that is the correct way to give advice and clients will appreciate it. Mm. Clients will stay with us longer because they experience the value and by word of mouth, uh, we get more clients. And I know all this sounds very theoretical, yeah. but you know, Ned, you've been with us for a while now and you, ex you, you experience this. You know, the, the, the firm has gone through an exponential growth over the last few years, mm. right? I mean, initially, uh, it wasn't as fast as we hoped it would be, but mm. the last few years, it's been exponential. Mm. Right. So whatever I say is not just theoretical, it actually works. Okay. Do you then think, um, you know, because good, you, you mentioned good advice quite a few times, right? Mm. So do people actually know what constitutes good advice in Singapore? Um, I think, sad to say no. I, mm. I think we are so used to the run-of-the-mill kind of advice. I mean, today, if you go out there and you ask people, yeah. uh, do you have a financial planner? you have a financial advisor? Mm. Most people will say, yeah, I have, mm. right? And if you ask them, who are, who, is this, who are these people, right? They'll say, okay, maybe my insurance advisor or my financial advisor, right? And if you ask them what uh, they do for them, it will be the same old stuff like, okay, you know, uh, they will compare the products for me and then they will tell me what products to buy. Mm. And if you get a better advisor, maybe this person will do a financial need analysis, run some numbers, you know, and then decide these are my gaps. Mm. Uh, th that is probably a good advisor, right, to them. And so the expectation actually is quite low, right? Because if someone does this for me, then this person is a good advisor. And in fact, you know, if a person go for certification, like for example, the, certif uh, the Certified Financial Planner Program. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, it's a good program, mm. right? But even in programs like this, it is the program teaches you how to crunch the numbers. The, 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 the program teaches you how to, to have knowledge. Mm. But I think good advice goes way, 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 way beyond that, right? And... Like I have shared in the article, good advice first start with really knowing the client. And you cannot know the client in just two hours. Mm. You cannot know the client in just one meeting. Mm -hmm. it, take, it, take, it takes a while to really know the clients. It takes a while to help the client understand what is most important for them okay. before even you make any recommendations. And good advice 
doesn't always mean that the client must buy more things. Mm. Sometimes good advice is about decluttering, mm. getting rid of things that are unnecessary. So that's why I think a good advice should be. Okay, but if you spend so long speaking to a client and then you know ultimately you tell them, oh, actually you don't need anything, right? Mm. Or you don't need to buy anything from me. I mean, since most of that uh, financial advisors out there here, or rather here in Singapore, they are commission based, then they're kind of like wasting their time, right? Right. I guess it's how you look at your business. Mm. Again, in the short term, maybe it doesn't make sense. And I don't want to differentiate between commission-based and fee-only because there are good commission-based advisors out there. Right. right. I cannot say that all commission-based advisors are just very transactional and they, are, they, are, they, they, they all just want to make a sale. They don't care about the clients. I think it would be very wrong for me to say that because there are actually good commission-based advisors out there. So regardless of whether it's commission-based or, or mm. fee-only, I think we must be able to tell a client that you actually really don't need anything, right? Mm. Uh, because that's just honest advice. Okay. It doesn't make sense, I know, in the short term, yeah. but it's an investment, right? Because if you do the right thing for the client, the client will like, wow, this is the first time I sit in front of an advisor and this advisor says that actually I'm good, mm. right? What do you think he's going to say? He's going to go around and tell his friends that, you know what? Mm. I've known someone who is able to tell me honestly that I don't need to buy any more things, uh. right? Uh, well, you know, Natalie, you're going to get your house soon. Mm. Uh, if someone comes to you and say, my contractor, he's not going to oversell you. You know, he's going to find ways for you to lower uh, your cost in renovation and all that. Mm. You're more likely to use that contractor, right? So I think we're going to look at every contact with a prospective client as an investment. Mm. Now, you invest your time. If there is business to be done, great for you. But if really the person is good, Mm. then I think we should be able to tell this person actually you don't need to buy any more things and look at it as an investment. You'll come back. Right. So look at it more from the long-term perspective. Yeah, and forget about chasing short-term rewards, right. awards, rewards, awards, you know, <laughs> and and uh, and just the short-term um, commission. I mean, it's just unwise to mm -hmm. uh, try to make a big buck from that particular client in the short-term. Mm. Uh I mean, long-term-wise, I don't think it will do very well for your career. Right. Okay. Yeah, anyway, I also want to clarify that, I mean, I asked the question earlier about commission-based because I know, I mean, because you're commission-based, right? So you are actually compensated based on how much products you sell. And of course, people, if, I mean, the main intention is really to earn an income, then uh, spending too much time on one client just doesn't make sense mm. for a commission-based advisor. But not that they are all uh, selling or uh, wanting to make uh, or close a deal regardless of whether uh, the consumer has that need or not. So I, I need to clarify that part like what you have mentioned. Uh, but then on top of that, mm. I was also thinking, you know, because wealth advice is being uh, or rather mainly transactional here mm. and very product focused mm. in Singapore. Mm. So consumers actually look, at, look to their financial advisor as a salesperson. Right, mm. so to them, maybe the way they measure an advisor's value is how much monetary rebate the advisor can provide them, or how much like capital land vouchers mm. the advisors can rebate them when they purchase a product for them. So this is essentially not the right way to see value of advice, correct? Mm. Yeah. So as I mentioned, unfortunately, the expectation is very low. Mm. Okay, because for decades, that's what they have been experiencing from that uh, from 
the industry. Yeah. Right? Advice means compare products. Advice means doing financial need analysis. Advice may mean, okay, I get a certain rebate. Advice may mean, okay, I get, uh, uh, I wouldn't say advice. Value advice can mean that, you know, I get uh, some vouchers, you know, and all that. But those are really small things. I, I think a lot, a lot of consumers think of advice as, uh, like I say, compare products and uh, just some financial need analysis. Mm. Um, I think consumers need to understand and hopefully the article that I wrote on BT give them some insights on actually what they should be expecting from an advisor, what value that they can actually get from a good advisor mm. and use that in a way as a benchmark to determine whether you are actually getting value uh, from your advisor. Mm. If consumers don't demand it, <laughs> We will continue, or I say we, I mean the industry will continue to do the same old, same old, right? Mm. Because the industry will think that that's what the client wants, yeah. right? And uh, that's the job of an advisor, right? So then it will always be like that, right? But if the consumers, if they demand uh, standards, then the industry have no choice but to raise their standards in order to continue to be in business. Mm. Agree. Okay, thanks so much for all the insights uh, on this BT article or the thoughts behind this BT article so far. Uh, that's all for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed our discussion uh, on are you getting value from your wealth advisor, Chris's latest BT article. A big thank you to Chris again for joining us. If you like this episode, follow our podcast and follow us on our social media for similar content. As always, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. All analyses, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any use of the information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.